I love the fact that when we come to a podcast, somebody's already laughing. Yeah, and someone's like off in their own world just trying to figure out wh why we're actually starting a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is Auto Collabs. I just I caught the intro to the episode where we were going to. I just caught it on LinkedIn in the feed because we never go back and watch the podcast. That no, you don't watch your own but podcast. But I caught it and I... Wait, you don't? I gather my family every evening. I'm like, let's watch the father created. Yes, no, it's, but I just watched it and I was like, what a bunch of morons. We're a bunch of morons. <laughs> you, I, I don't know if you caught this. Uh, so Paul and I were in person last week in San Antonio and they were having some mic issues. You were at the very back of the room. <laughs> They, of course, oh, hand it yeah. to me. I don't know what it is about my face that screams. <laughs> yeah, he can fix it. <laughs> and I get it. And for some reason, it turns on and I just go, Sue. <laughs> of course Sue. you do. <laughs> of course you do. Hey, well, listen, I'm excited about this one today. I've known our guest, Will McInnes, for quite some time, actually. Really? Probably. I'm going to say at least a decade. Will What's and I the history? Each other. Tell us the history there. Well, so, I mean, well, what I will say is that as long as I've known him, I have always known him to be, dare I use LinkedIn language, a consummate sales professional. Is that a link? Nah, is that LinkedIn language? Strong. I always see I, it on people's reviews. They're like, you know, so-and-so is the consummate professional. Oh, that sounds, that's too expensive for me. He's that always, I guess, however, he's always, LinkedIn reviews. he's always, <laughs> what I will say of what I've known about him, he's always had a presence about him that not every person sadly in the sales industry mm. has mm. there's just something compelling about him he has charisma and and I think we're going to see that today I think you'll well, that, I think you guys will get what I'm what I'm saying when we get to That's chat. always the flip like if you're a sales professional like presence is the word you just used which is actually a version of confidence but in sales confidence usually comes across as arrogant Right. Right. So you're saying he's got the good side of it. He's got presence. Yeah. He, he's, uh, he's got the genuine, like when, I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but when you, 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 I'm sure we all know somebody when you talk to them and they're like, Hey, tell me everything about you. And then they're, but they're kind of like always looking over your shoulder to see who else more interesting. Is coming <laughs> into the room. People. He's not that, you know what yeah. I mean? Like you feel he's genuinely there. that you're he's the there. only pe person in his environment when he's talking to you, which I mean, in sales is just, I mean, how do you put a value on that? That's lights out. Well, awesome. Well, we hope that you enjoy this conversation that we get to have with Will McGinnis. <laughs> hey, welcome to Auto Collabs. And uh, thanks, Will, for joining us here on the conversation today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. All right, Will, we got to get into it. Um, we want to really, the first re thing that I got to ask you is, is how did you miss the email letting you know that it's black shirt Tuesday today? Like, how did you go with the white shirt today? <laughs> All days. You know, I, I consciously thought I was like, all right, I gotta be on this today. What should I wear? Nice white shirt. I'm gonna go white. Nice and white. Like, I had white. the black in my hand. Like my, I have a, I have a V-neck uniform these days. It's white, <laughs> Navy, black. <laughs> Keep it simple. Nice. Keep it simple. White's a good look. To be fair, though, Will has the physique that can pull off a white <sighs> v neck shirt. So true, man. When right. I put it on, people are like, hmm, 
hmm, he should open up a Greek deli. <laughs> <laughs> Throw yourself an apron on, Cirillo. To which Michael you says, you know, too late. I already did. <laughs> I already did. There you go. All right. So tell me this, because I look at your history and you and I have like, uh, we, we've, we've like crossed paths a couple times in auto, but I, I did a little scroll in the LinkedIn and you were working in the website game in auto wow back in 2008 whoa wow that's real og give us a little bit of like remind us of where we've come from wow wow (laughs) you went way back um wait i went way back i went way back um you know what's interesting about that the website game in 08 was also as you recall um the the great recession yeah the great recession um (laughs) And also, I chose an organization um, that was going up against Dealer.com, had just won the GM contract. So I was trying to sell websites to basically Volvo dealers and Mitsubishi dealers uh, <laughs> in 2008. Um, the most fascinating thing that, I guess, to answer your question was that, so my the company I worked for was XI Group, owned by Dominion. Um, and they also owned an old website company called Dealer Skins, you may recall. Huh. And oh, yeah. Flash was the thing. Oh, the I remember Flash. Really Flash. Hot thing. I remember <laughs> honking, that. Honking and headlight flashing <laughs> on the homepage. Like where you'd have to like, if you went to a car dealer's website, you might have to mute your computer really fast because you're at work <laughs> looking for a car. <laughs> that, that was... Uh, that was, it was basically like dealers were like, have you guys, have you ever seen Homestar Runner? Can you, <laughs> can you do that on our website? It's funny that you mention it. That's the very first thing that came to mind. And you know what right. else they did was on like say a white background, they would have white text at the bottom of their website page. Hide so it in there. Hide, their hide the SEO in there. Get, yeah. It. it was wow. uh, wild. That. It was, the wild it was, west. That's uh, I thought I made the biggest mistake uh, <laughs> going to the vendor side on automotive. I was like, what am I doing here? <laughs> um, but that was the start of my uh, journey on, on this side of the ball, for sure. What were you doing before? Uh, before I was working at a tech company. Um, and when I say tech, not tech and how we think of it uh, these days, it was a a wireless distributor, so kind of a commercial B2B side for everything from cell phone cases to the towers that um, the towers that hold those broadband antennas. Uh, I, I started there after selling cars, so I I broke my leg selling cars at eighteen out of Mitsubishi. That's not on my leg selling cars. How do you make it like? He's like, oh, don't lot yeah. up mine, trip someone. The guy, I don't know. I've got a story in my head, but give it to oh, us. No, no, I um, you know, at 18, I want I just wanted to make money. I've been in sales all my life. Um, and I joined a a group here in Maryland, and as an 18-year-old, they put me at the Mitsubishi point, I guess is where they wanted to start on a $150 a week draw. And it was, it was, it sucked. Like I, to be honest, I hated it. Um, but I learned a lot of things and then parlayed that into a different job outside of automotive. But then, you know, as all things automotive, it sucked you right back in. 
And so a few years later, that's how I ended up um, at XI Group selling websites. Okay, that was so that's 2008. Yeah. Right. So a lot and before, of 15 years yeah. have gone by. You've stayed. You haven't gone anywhere else. As the pro, as the as the journey progressed, like what are you doing now, and why have you chosen to do it? Well, you know, it's interesting. I I did leave uh, automotive back in 2019. Oh, um, I I went and joined uh, Facebook, Facebook Canada specifically. Uh, worked in Michael's home country for a couple of years, um, and um, I actually it was a great learning experience kind of chaotic but um especially as covid hit but my um verticals were cpg and um restaurants which is just an interesting learning landscape for me to kind of understand a little bit more about marketing as a whole Mm -hmm. um and then uh back in 2021 i left facebook and moved back to the states and um and worked for a startup and that was that was really awesome. It was a great a great experience. Um, but it wasn't what I wanted to do. And what I loved doing and what I did before leaving for Facebook was manage salespeople. So I currently manage the sales team um, for Full Throttle, a marketing tech platform. Yeah, what I, you know, <laughs> Michael's like he's he's trembling. He's like he's like now we're talking about Canada. It's my turn, guys. <laughs> Putin, Putin. Uh, no, I was going to ask you. I, I I mean during that that time period, right? Starting websites where it was just flash and like, I'm sure, I'm sure the buzz phrase back then was, all you need is a website. You'll get more traffic leads and sales. You got to have our website. It's going to get more traffic leads and sales to then progress to, to today with what you're seeing full throttle do, um, in a, in a arena where we go through these seasons of you just need the thing to make your marketing more effective, or you just need a website to this, or you just need, what are you seeing now contrasting that to the, the level of first party data attribution data that full throttle can, can capture? Um, because I'm sure a lot of people still out there are thinking, Oh, you just got to run Google ads. It'll be fine. (laughs) That they are. Um, you know what I, what I'm seeing successful organizations do uh, and mind you the, the the team that i manage is across the spectrum not just automotive so i thankfully have a lot of conversations in home services and senior living and higher education and finance and i used to think the car business was like five years behind in marketing but i have news for you gentlemen <laughs> basically every industry is is behind there's, so there's who, like, who is who's setting the pace then if every right. industry's back like who's in the front i think it's the top 10 10 20 percent i think it's those like those top like organizations that actually focus on trying to innovate be ahead of the game right and, and out the like whatever vertical it is there's a percentage it's, of that vertical that is pushing is. the envelope. It is. I would have died Yo. if you were like senior living is leading <laughs> the charge. No, <laughs> I wish they were, but they're not. And like, <laughs> but I I would say that the the number one thing that that organizations can do is like actually pay attention to the sky is falling type conversation. And what I mean by that is like pay attention to it. So. Cookies have been deprecating for the last couple of years, but it actually is happening. 
it's not happening as fast as we thought it would. Google has kicked that can down the road, understandably, um, for quite some time. And uh, to to you bringing up first party data, Michael, it's that that organizations are so used to they just want to handle like the the good stuff, the leads, you know, the the form fills, the call ins. They want to handle the stuff that attributes directly to the sale, but what they need to pay attention to is all the stuff that's not converting and really focus on those because those are your opportunities. The leads are going to come. The sales are going to come. It is, it is what's behind it. That's not converting and how, how to bring them to the front, but also just pay attention to what is happening and, and causing that not to convert. Yeah. I think about it. Like it's nuts that, in our industry, best in class, like the top is maybe a website will get two and a half to 3% net conversion, meaning 97 out of a hundred people that come and say hi on the website are like, nah, <laughs> or they find another avenue to interact with the organization or get brought back in a different way. And we're so focused as an industry on 3% of the interactivity yeah, at best. Right. Yeah. So what do we do with the other 97%? What, how do we go figure out what's happening there? Well, I think, I think a key component, and I think some organizations are, are doing a decent job of trying to identify that 90, 97%. Right. And, you know, there's a lot of mechanisms out there to do it. Um, you have, you know, for what's left of cookies, you have the ability to cookie your website and cookie those users and try and get it. Um, you have the ability to utilize um, different tools that allow you to identify their IP address or identify their their maids, their their mobile user ad, ad IDs. And but the thing about all of those things is that they break. And so, and the other thing that I've noticed, even with bigger organizations, is that they they go and they seek out all this data but they don't do anything with it, right? Because they don't know what to do with it. They're trying to merge it. They're trying to append right. it. With they know they're supposed to have it, right? Right. Yeah. And so, like, selfishly for our our organization at Full Throttle, like, our focus is just talking to that 97%, right? And so it's really just, it's a, it's kind of wedged in there to just talk to them to help bring them back and really immerse them with the brand. And so that's where we found our success. It's not like a data dump and trying to layer it in on their on in live ramp to try and layer in with other components of their data to build like this huge um, data pool, if you will. But not that that's not important. I think it's very important, but you got to be able to use it and pay attention to what that is versus just building a customer profile. The thing about it, Kyle, to your point, 97 of those people are coming to your website. They're interested. You're just not necessarily talking to them when they're interested. And that's what we focus on. Mm, yeah. It gets my mind moving on how oftentimes in our industry, we talk about the marketing funnel and we're like, oh yeah, you got to pay attention to the funnel. And we really only discuss those top three steps, right? Like awareness, consideration, decision. And then, and then basically the funnel disappears, but it's like, well, what about that post-sale retention, loyalty, brand ambassadorship? Side that's why I don't thing? like a funnel as the illustration. Because it really is a, like a, a circle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. If, if you made it, if, if you, if, 
if you were to leverage the, the, the data that Will's talking about, I'm thinking about all sorts of things. Like, why wouldn't I spend dollars then retargeting people who have actually already purchased V like say you bought a Honda Odyssey and I know that and I know for a fact it's sitting in your driveway still and that the touch points have been minimal or lackluster at best I'd totally run ads to people that own those Odysseys being like hey I hope you're still loving your Odyssey by the way here's three things that you should know about your Odyssey that you'd absolutely because I just I, yeah. I think of the impact of to your point Paul using that that data and making a cycle happen versus the the funnel happen because I know if they're happy and they're excited and they see that I'm excited and that I'm educating them they're going to be more likely to book service with me that are sure, going to be the more likely to tell their friends about yeah yeah when we look at people well, that have the way killer, that you just said it wasn't here's three three other cars you could buy right now it was <laughs> right. here's three interesting things about your odyssey yeah which is like that's a conversation the other way is yelling Nobody likes to be. I mean, I think at. this right, and this this kind of gets back, and it, it touches on some of the Achilles' heels of, you know, automotive marketing or the mindset. And maybe it's not just automotive. Maybe it is. You know, Will, to your point, a lot of other industries is like there's no direct ROI that's attributable to that type of content, right? I mean, retention yeah. you can kind of see, but maybe maybe you have a, or at least it's not clear, right? Sales content, it's a lot clearer. Here are three interesting things about the car that you already bought. Not as clear. I don't know. What's your perspective on that, Will? Yeah. So, you know, oftentimes I, I hear constantly, well, attribution, right? Like the holy grail is this last touch attribution, which yeah. is just, is just it's something you're going to be chasing for a long time. Fantasy. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, the, the path is not linear. And I think when... And it's really hard to do, right? Because you hold vendors accountable. You hold your like your own internal marketing team accountable. I spent this dollar. I want these $2 back, period. And like, that's what I want. That's what I want you to prove out. And I think when you put those hard edges on your marketing efforts or on your efforts just in general, you are going to see failure and you're going to adjust where, where I think it's a little bit you know, maybe chaotic, it is utilizing your marketing dollars and in, in measuring the effects that it has on your business, period, in totality, not that individual lever. Did I pull this lever and did I get a sale out of it? Because when you don't, you sometimes discard that lever when it was effective for you because you're you're looking at it in a silo. And I think the important thing is to look at your marketing efforts in totality and yep. measure lift in all areas, not just sales, not just leads, but measure yeah, lift. I, in I talk about this all the time. Yeah. It's the, it's the entire media mix model squared against the, the KPIs of business outcomes that your business has. So like if your media mix model is targeting growth in like five key KPIs, then your levers need to understand whether or not they got the business outcomes, not like a slight uptick in leads. Right. right? Whereas like a lot of people will go, well, I'm not getting enough leads from source X, turn it off. But that may be driving residual sales, offline sales, or potentially it's driving service visits or all of that type of stuff. And understanding your KPIs as business outcomes as they relate to your entire media mix model will change the way that you look at attribution. 
across right. across the board, right? Right. Yeah. I have one more question. Here's here's this is adjacent to like everything because in in auto a lot, I think we it's like vendors do this, dealers do this, but everybody's kind of in sales, right? And, and you said you love leading a team of salespeople. Like that's why you moved to full throttle because you get the opportunity now to care for, lead, and guide a team of sales. In the market economy right now, the way that businesses are interacting with spending money, how are you training and guiding your salespeople to be the most effective in their conversations right now with dealers or people in under other industries? Um, great question. So, you know, back when I was at Cox, um, I ran sales teams for V Auto. And um, one of the things that was introduced to us at V Auto, um, I don't know, 2013, maybe 10 years ago, um, was this, you know, sales training is sales training is sales training. Um, but it was called the Challenger Sales Model. And I just bring it up because I, I, I took that and I ran with it and I became a really successful salesperson. And then I became a facilitator. I went and got certified to teach challenger sales training. I ended up teaching a lot of Cox Automotive sales team. Um, I fell in love with it for one critical reason, probably multiple, but one that that was very, very important to me. And it was making it about their business. And so the way I teach my team and and just you know talk in general is I don't, I don't care if you're selling full throttle. I don't care if you're selling XI group websites, flash websites. I don't, it's, it doesn't matter. The product does not matter. And what I mean by that is I really spend the time as a salesperson and then in, in training, understanding the business and the goals of my prospect and really spending the entire time focused on them and those gaps and the art is is to understand where my product fits in those gaps so that I can be there to service it when ready. Mm. And what I learned in in like understanding that 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 mindset and and training that way was that by being that expert and also utilizing data which is a critical component of it utilizing industry data not my data but industry data um I didn't even have to demo the auto a lot after that i didn't it was it was inventory management conversations it wasn't it wasn't hey i got this software and it's better than my first look or my competitor it it was it was just about inventory management holding costs and truly understanding the industry understanding the holding costs of each vehicle on their lot and what it's costing them as it ages that was the focus that i put on and that's kind of what i try and convey across teams that i manage that is just the best advice for any relationship when someone knows that you understand them they immediately trust you if they know you understand my situation my challenges my fears you know like the the things that i have to deal with the things that are on my plate the second someone knows that you really understand it that's amazing that you say like i all of a sudden don't have to do a lot of demos because people are like you understand the problem i i just assume that you understand the solution and i i left every conversation whether i wanted or lost it i don't care if you buy v auto i said this many times when i was selling it but I don't care if you buy Viato. What I want is to help you sell more cars because that's what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And so 
if you want to partner with me to do that, here's like, you know, everything that I've talked to you today about, blah, blah, blah. Like that is what made it successful. It wasn't like VR is a very amazing product and um, like their whole process is great, but it had nothing to do with that and everything to do with being that partner to them to understand their business, to help them. And I think that's a critical thing. I wasn't trying to sell. It, I was trying to help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think what a, what a, what an amazing uh, place to conclude the conversation with, with kind of just banging that drum, which is that conversations matter, relationships matter. And the true essence of marketing is that, and especially what you're doing at full throttle is getting people, getting advertisers and marketers to a place of understanding so that they can better build those relationships and have those meaningful conversations with their audience. Will McGinnis, thank you so much for joining us here on Auto Collapse today. Thank you, gentlemen. Really appreciate you. Look, I'm just proud I nailed the final question. That was a good final question. We should have asked that. First. I didn't know what was coming after it, but I was like, the good one. Okay, you know, there was a good sequence there. Like, I, I, I'm thinking back through the conversation, and there was there was a clear lead up to being able to ask that question and get that type of an answer out of them. We you should know, just like- spend the rest of the outro complimenting our interview skills. We we could we could do that we we could do that if we didn't just let the cat out of the bag that we had no idea. <laughs> Dude, your tr- your your trombone little impression. Oh, good. No, but I, we had no clue that was coming. Legitimately, I barely knew Will before walking yeah. into that, and for him to drop that just as to clearly state it because I think we would all say. Like you said, Cirilla, we we know that relationship matters in sales. But the way that he positioned relationship in this like exploratory care for the unique point of view of that person's business. And then you can just like replace business with whatever that person is. You know, if it's we're selling a car, the unique point of view that matters to that person's livelihood or that person's life or that person's driving habits, that that's the lean in. And that the pro like once that happens, it's just like, whoop. yep, it doesn't matter what you're selling. I, I also love the fact that he's got so much experience outside automotive. I think people like that, we should be listening to more frequently and more intently because, you know, they just, their head is up just by the nature of his position. He's in all types of industries. And so I love meeting with people like that too. Well, thank you so much for spending uh, some of your time with us today. We hope you got a little inspired, a little energized, learned something. On behalf of Kyle Mountsier, Michael Cirillo, and myself, thank you for listening to Auto Collapse. Sign up for our free and fun to read daily email for a free shot of relevant news in automotive, retail, media, and pop culture. You can get it now at asotu.com. That's A-S-O-T-U.com. If you love this podcast, Please leave us a review and share it with a friend. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. Welcome, Welcome to, to Auto Collapse. <laughs> Why are we recording? Are we rolling yet? <laughs>